The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Man, I'll I'll watch Amy Adams eat a sock and <laughs> be fine with it. <laughs> yep, I would do. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Kapow! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Cher. Yeah! Do you guys have anything that you want to recommend or warn right off the bat on this show? Oh. Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. What do you got? What do you got, Chris? Me? Oh, oh, okay. I got you something. I got a movie for you. I got a movie. I've been recommended this movie allegedly two years Someone reminded me of this. Somebody reminded me that I had been recommended this movie for two years and I hadn't seen it yet. Now I've seen it. It's called <laughs> The Man from Earth. Um, it doesn't have very many people that you would recognize in it. William Cott of uh, Carrie and Last America, uh, uh, first, uh, the greatest American hero fame. Uh, <laughs> the last of the first. The last, the first, the greatest. Yeah, there you go. Um, he's in it. Uh, uh, Richard Real, who's in Office Space, and is the is the guy who's worried about his job. He's you know yeah. he's in there too. Um, but a lot of the people you haven't haven't uh, you you're probably not familiar with. Um, but it's about this guy who just before he gets his tenure at a at a college, um, he decides to quit. And he goes out to a cabin and he's going to move away to some place that nobody knows. And all of his buddies that he's, he's gotten at the college are coming out and uh, they feel like they're, they think that he's going to just kind of like party or something like that before he leaves. Um, and so of course, naturally everybody here, they're, they're, they're scholars. They, they're naturally wondering why in the world would you leave at this moment when you're about to get tenure at, uh, at, at a college. And he's like, he's like, uh, he just gives them some vague answers at first. And then he decides maybe I should tell him the truth. Of course, you'll be wondering all the way through this movie, if he's telling the truth or not, that he is actually 14,000 years old. <laughs> and, that um that he has seen uh he has seen so many things and and whatever and like they every time somebody asks him a question he seems to have a a really good answer for it and it seems very convincing um uh and so the whole movie is him saying this is this is what happened when i was in in, you know I, i started here and then i moved on to here and then i moved on to here and uh 
he, you know, he starts getting into the whole thing. Like he's like, I actually met the Buddha and I learned under the Buddha and, uh, and all these. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, oh, actually Tony Todd is in it. Tony Todd is in it. Oh, really? When (laughs) was this made? 2007. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, Tony Todd is, is, so everybody's got their, like, you know, various levels of skepticism. Tony Todd seems to be the guy who's like, I don't know if this is true or not, but it sure sounds convincing. And then William Codd is like the, is like the, get the fuck out of here with this shit. You gotta be fucking kidding me with this bullshit. Um, and, um, and so he just keeps telling them stories and it gets, it starts getting more and more controversial as he's as he gets further through the story um i don't want to tell you too much else about it actually uh because a lot of your enjoyment of this movie uh will come from is he telling the truth i don't know if he's telling the truth um and what the other characters do in response to a lot of the things that he is is saying in this um but it is very interesting by the end of it you'll be you you're going to be like wow that was I mean, I really liked it. I'm recommending it. Um, cool. Uh, you know, it's it's very cheaply done. Like it's uh, it's not like slick or anything. It's it's definitely a movie that was made on the cheap, uh, with the one location and very uh, you know barely recognizable actors in 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 the movie and everything. But uh, I really really enjoyed it. It's got the reason why I liked it so much is that it really gives you a lot of good perspectives about things that we believe in. Um, uh, you know, just as you know, and why we believe in them and everything. And, uh, there's a great moment. It's, it's sort of the, I guess the, the breaking point where he, he, he tells this story that's religious in nature that where everybody's just kind of like, Oh my God, seriously, he's actually going there. Um, and, uh, yeah it's gonna make you think that movie's gonna make you think for a while after you watch it hmm interesting Hmm. where'd you where'd you find it uh 2b um reliable 2b service well 2b's free um Mm. you you, it's commercials and stuff that you'll have to sit through when you watch movies but they don't cut them so nice um so like yeah. IFC. yeah all right i'm gonna recommend i gotta recommend it in a war we're gonna do two right we're gonna do two yep. come back to my mm-hmm. segment uh-huh. i'm gonna recommend a movie uh i think i briefly mentioned having seen um months and months ago but i have now rewatched in full fighting with my family oh uh, yeah. yeah nice now, we've listen, all seen I'm, this i'm gonna be honest i don't give a rat's ass about wrestling in real life mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i understand that it's a big deal for some people. I have I have one good friend who's really into it. Um, <clears throat> I don't give a rat's ass about it. It's not. I'm not slamming on it. It's just not my bag. But this movie is delightful, and I think uh, everybody's charming. Um, but Florence Pugh is the one that really shines the most, mm-hmm. and she's starting to show some incredible range earlier in her career with right? the movies that she's been in. Uh, I'm really excited to see her in Black Widow, um, but she's so charismatic and charming. And Nick Frost is her dad, and he's almost scene stealing. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, her brother, who I call a uh, 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 Buff Simon Pegg, is hmm. um, 
Jack Loudon. Uh, I'm not familiar with him, but he's good too. And of course, The Rock is in it. This is based on a documentary, which is about the real wrestler named Paige. Uh, and her family's English, and they're really into like bar wrestling and like underground wrestling. And her and her brother try out for basically the minor league training program for wrestling. And her brother doesn't make it, and she does. Ooh, bitterness, mm. jealousy, jealousy, and bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes off to training where Vince Vaughn, listen, that. This movie, I say it's delightful, it's a full recommend, but none of this movie is going to surprise you. None of the characters are outside <laughs> no. the lines. None of the twists are twisty. Uh, Vince Vaughn is that so hard on you because I'm trying to make you better because I see mm. a real potential kind of coach. Um, she goes back home where her family is trying to monopolize on her fame over Christmas. Uh, and they've set up this, you know, match for fun and they're going to make money on it. She's going to wrestle her brother. She tells her brother, I don't want to give the whole movie away, but she tells her brother, she's going to quit. Well, her brother, his way of responding is to beat the shit out of her in the ring. Um, and then yell at her for throwing away an opportunity he would die for. And I think he could have maybe said that and then gone ahead with the match (laughs) the way that they had planned. (laughs) Because as the dad says, you could have broken her neck three times in that with those moons. What were you thinking? Uh, <clears throat> the Rock shows up the night before WrestleMania, as you do, and um, <laughs> says, hey, you're going to wrestle tomorrow. Congratulations. Call your family. And she calls her family, and everybody's all excited. And she goes out and wrestles. And the movie makes it seem like it's not scripted. The movie makes it seem like she defeats the other wrestler by being better and that's not how wrestling oh really is it i don't remember this actually i'm pretty sure it's all scripted no it it definitely is but i I think that's how it's portrayed i don't remember this being in the movie yeah yeah like vince vaughn he's even like this is your chance to prove yourself and i would think that would mean in real life how well you execute the moves how charismatic you are with the crowd. But the movie makes it, she wins. She beats this other wrestler who's like the best wrestler in women's wrestling. And I'm like... Isn't that assumed that it was scripted and that her... They didn't have to come out and say it was scripted because everybody knows that at this point. But the movie's um, kind of making it feel like this is they're her They're making last her the winner. No, they're making her the winner in this one match. Because I feel like her, that, that was yeah, it's her the big determined chance. outcome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if she'd have been ass in the ring, she still would have won that match? Yeah, I mean, probably. Uh, I think it's both. I think she has to go out there and execute she, the moves, but I think the outcome was determined she had to learn the whole script and routine in one night overnight. Isn't it a similar thing to what they'd been practicing? Like the whole movie? I don't it, know. It's been, well, it's been a while since, since I've seen, seen it. it. So I don't know. I don't remember the, the ending, but I didn't get the impression that at the end that she won because, Oh, she's good at wrestling now. Yeah. And, and that she won legitimately. I don't think that's how that, how that came across to me. I no, think it's is- because, 
Uh, that's definitely how I took it. Uh, and you may be right. That may not be what is intended. And I will leave it up to the listeners to correct me. Um, but I, that was exactly how I felt. At the end of this movie, I'm like, oh, I'm beaming. This is so happy. Wait a minute. Did she learn this whole routine overnight? How does she know what moves were going to be done? Like, who don't you practice like for at least a week on these? I didn't. It just left me a lot of questions. But I, I recommend it fully. It's a great, another great family friendly sports film with charming, quirky characters. And uh, I may have misinterpreted the ending. So there you go. It's a great uh, scene when they first meet The Rock. Uh, yeah. and they, and they're, they're, you know, they're fan personing over and over him and everything. And, um, and, uh, they, they keep, they ask for advice and then he starts walking away and then there's, Oh, just one more thing. And then he, he keeps turning around like with, with more annoyance each time, but still being the rock, he never, he never like, like goes out and out, you know, lashes out at him or anything. Um, yeah, that movie's fun. Yeah. She's good. I tell you what. Vince Vaughn has been showing some range recently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe like he wasn't, I don't think he was the problem with the Psycho remake back in the day. Like yeah. he did his best. Yeah. Uh, but I think I thought it was just a stupid idea in the first place. But yes. like, other than that, he really stuck to comedic stuff, but like, you know, what is it? Brawl in cell block 303 or whatever it is. <laughs> and cell fucking, block 99. 99 and even with freaky he's playing a comedic character for most of it but he's playing it perfectly um and uh so block 303 is the predators section yes it is i I, I bet you there have been some brawls up in there (laughs) i'm sure there have no Uh, i mean vince vaughn has always the, the thing with vince vaughn is is that after swingers there was, I mean, he and he obviously has a big hit hit with Wedding Crashers in this too. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I think there was a it was tough to take him seriously in dramatic roles, so he was always in these like you know stupid dramatic movies that were coming out <laughs> yeah. uh, after that. And then um, I don't know, it, it's either because he's been seasoned now at this point. Uh, that he's just so. I mean, he's obviously great and freaky. That's that's a that's a a great moment, great moment for him. Um, and that movie that uh, um, what's his name did that we saw. It's called Arkansas. Mel Gibson. It's called Arkansas. Oh. He's great in Arkansas. That's a movie that came out last year. What was that hmm. uh, Mel Gibson Andrew Garfield movie that I didn't see about the Hacksaw Ridge? He's he's Hacksaw. in that right. Uh, yeah, oh yeah yeah he is. is yeah yeah he's like the hard ass yeah yeah he's like a drill yeah. instructor or something um but uh but was it they, they they kept trying to do it later on and he was in uh was it true detective season two that he was in yeah yes and it and even that came off kind of like oh my god that's still i'm still seeing uh, I'm still seeing swingers Vince Vaughn in this role. It's still, hard, but he has completely changed that over the last yeah, few years. Yeah, yeah. God bless uh, him. All right. Do you want uh, happiness or or misery? Right. Well, I'm bringing misery, so you can choose. All right. Well, I'll do happiness. Uh, well, it's not. It's my happiness. It's not the lead character's happiness. I watched The Woman in the Window. Uh, the new amy adams movie that uh, just dropped on netflix uh recently 
I had no idea. I know this was a book. It it, it very much sounds like Girl on a Train or yep. the girl in the pearl earring. Or girl the, good at math. <laughs> little girl tattoo. good at math. <laughs> Jeremy and I went back and forth with tweets of all the girls and women that are doing things. Mm, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, yeah, the, the title is the title, right? It's the book's title. Uh, but I had no idea what to expect. I think I saw a trailer, and there's something about, like, you know, uh, mistaken identity, and maybe Amy Adams's character is quote crazy, that kind of thing. Uh, I was like, I like Amy Adams, basically anything she does. Uh, so I decided, all right, not knowing anything. Then I find out Joe Wright directed it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, all right, I like Joe Wright. He's done some good stuff. Then first scene is Amy Adams sitting with her psychiatrist, who's played by fan favorite or sin cast favorite Tracy Letts. Mm-hmm. Then oh, I look up this right. movie, and Tracy Letts wrote the screenplay. Oh, and hey. I was like, huh? And then there's Julianne Moore, and then there's Jennifer Jason Lee, and there's Gary Oldman, and there's awesome. Anthony Mackie, and there's Brian Tyree Henry. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of people that I like. And I am going to say very, very little about this plot, uh, besides the fact that that we know Amy Adams's character is an agoraphobic uh, child psychologist uh, who cannot go outside of her house. Um, that's why she's the woman in the window. She looks out and interacts with the outside world by, you know, being like online. Like Taylor Swift, where they write notes like that video. She writes notes. Uh, you'll be Don't the prince call. and Question you belong mark. with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, she asks a guy to prom. That's the, the, the plot of the movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very weird uh but yeah so she you know she interacts by staying and then it there's a little bit of rear window in there obviously uh because she is kind of spying on a family across the street the dad is gary oldman uh and then the mom and and the son who comes over to deliver a gift they just moved in he delivers a gift to amy adams's character and they strike up a friendship uh, and then she strikes up a friendship with his mom and then shit gets weird. And I won't, I won't say anything more about it because you need to take this journey. If you, if you so desire on your own, because there are a lot of twists and turns. Um, I found this movie delightful. I thought the twists were satisfying. The ending falls apart just a little bit. And I'd love to talk to whoever has seen this, uh, to see if it does for anybody else. Uh, but uh, the rest of it is really, really good. And of course, Amy Adams is spectacular. She's playing a very complicated character. Um, and I think Tracy Letts' screenplay is fantastic. The adaptation of this book by uh, A.J. Finn. Um, and uh, there, there is a bit of a trigger warning in that there is a hint of a suicide attempt. And I don't want mm. to... Uh, uh, that to come out of nowhere. Um, mm. there, I will, yeah, that's that's all I'll say about that. But this movie I found very, very satisfying. I am apparently very wrong. I, looked up the <laughs> I just looked it up, <laughs> I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score, and what is it, 26 percent? 26 percent, yeah, and 5.8 yeah. on IMDb. Metacritic is like 39 percent. And yeah. I was like, but like everything about this, uh, I, 
like I said, there there is there are a few parts of this that that kind of fall apart, but I thought it was engaging. I thought visually it was gorgeous. And so I guess I'm in the minority, but I totally recommend this. By the way, if you've watched uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, you know Wyatt Russell, uh, mm-hmm. the the son of Goldie Russell and Han. <laughs> Goldie Han and Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Goldie Han. Col- yes. Goldie Kurt. Goldie yes. Kurt. Kurt Han. Uh, and White Russell is in this movie too. Uh, he plays a very interesting character. So yeah, it's a recommend for me. I, I enjoyed it very much. Right. When I saw uh, trailers for this movie, I wanted to see it, and I'd, I'd already heard like advanced bad warning about it before. I mean, it was one of the it was one of the trailers that was playing a a ton January to March last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh and it was supposed to have a summer i think uh release and everything but mm-hmm. uh the trailers looked a lot like a, sort of a modern updating of gaslight um uh and oh. uh, and, uh and so it it, it kind of it was like that i'm always interested in those type of things there's a lot uh i mean there's a lot of those kind i mean there's a lot of those kinds of movies i i, I brought up one I don't know, two or three years ago uh, on the Sincast called La Mustache, where a guy yeah. cuts off his mustache and then his wife is like, uh, doesn't notice and, and right. then, and then claims she never has seen a mustache on him in his, in, in her life and all that. Those are always fucking interesting, right? Like just the, the people <laughs> like, like claiming they never, they don't have any knowledge of you or anything like that. Uh, yeah, yeah it's like, uh, it's uh, it's pretty. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna watch it even if, even though I know it's probably bad. Uh, so, but you recommended it or recommended it. So I'm telling you, no, no, no. I recommend it. I, I, I enjoyed it. It's not perfect, I guess. Uh, but uh, man, I'll, I'll watch Amy Adams eat a sock and <laughs> be fine with it. <laughs> yep, I would do. I wouldn't. That would make me gag. Yeah, yeah that, that would be Rody. very interesting. It's it's a it's weird. a. It, I, I, oh, I I don't want to compare it to Serenity, uh, but it goes for whatever it goes for. Is is how and I you mean, mean the McConaughey uh, <laughs> the McConaughey yes, the McConaughey version yes yeah. not the uh, not the the good version uh, but yeah yeah I enjoyed, enjoyed. okay okay all right I'm definitely gonna watch all right everybody it's time to talk about movie yeah movie movie mm-hmm. I saw a movie called Property is no longer a theft um, oh I'm so glad you watched this oh was, wait, did you see this too. To- no, oh, I was to. going to though, and I'm glad um, that you can tell me about it. Um, it's uh, directed by Elio Petri, I believe. Ooh. This is how it's how it's pronounced. See, see. Um, it's a obviously it's an Italian film. Uh, it's a satire about money and property. Um, uh, I don't. I, I guess. I guess it somewhat works, kind of. I mean, like how it in Italy in 1970s, as it does everywhere else. The very the very rich are always rewarded, and the very poor are not. That's um, uh, the main character of this movie uh, is literally allergic to money um, and, <laughs> works at, and works at a bank uh, counting oh, money. So he's like hilarious. always scratching himself and everything while he's counting money and everything. 
there's a guy who comes in every day, I guess he's like a butcher. He comes in and like gives the tellers like all this meat and everything. And, uh, to, and, uh, to, you know, to safeguard his money basically. Um, and then one day this guy comes in and, uh, and he says, I want a loan. The, the, the butcher says, I want a loan for like 450 million lira or whatever which is like $5 here in America. Um, but, uh, they, uh, they had, uh, uh, the guy immediately, like actually he immediately gets it, but then he's, then he gets pissed off at the, at the guy giving him the loan and saying, I could get more from some other bank. And the guy does everything in his power to get more money for this guy. Meanwhile, our main character who's allergic to money, who just needs a little bit to 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 survive, comes in and asks for 10 million lira. And the guy's like, "Can't give you that. What 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 have you shown in society that says that you can you deserve 10 million lira?" So, uh this guy decides, "I'm going to quit this job and now I'm going to start stealing from this butcher guy and I'm going to nice. ruin him. I'm going to ruin nice. this guy." And what you find out because this is a satire is that's not going to do shit to this guy stealing this guy's <laughs> money. Isn't going to do fucking anything. And, uh, it's a very interesting movie. There are moments where characters are, uh, given their own like sort of soliloquy type thing. I don't know if you would call it a soliloquy, but they're by themselves and they talk directly to the camera and they basically say exactly what their character is in this movie and the hmm. butcher guy is like you know what i'm rich and i'm gonna bit i'm gonna get richer and i don't have any reason i don't have any goals in mind about it it's just i just want to be richer is what it is that's i just i just want to have more money than everybody else and scene then there's a <laughs> woman who comes in and is like and she's the butcher's mistress and she's like uh she's like i'm a thing that's all I am. I'm a thing for, for guys to come over and like, just uh, use me as they will or whatever. She even describes herself as a vase with many holes that men can, uh, you know, can just grab at will and all this type of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so there's, um, <clears throat> so there's stuff like that in the, in this movie. And, uh, it, it goes to this, it goes to a, it's, it's actually, you know, I mean, is there's some, some abstract stuff because it is a European movie from the seventies, of course, <laughs> but the plot of this is really like interesting. Like by the time it gets to its finale and everything, you're going to be like, Oh shit, I may need to watch this movie again. There's so many things that I'm sure are rich in detail all the way through that I missed on the first time that will inform me the next time I watch it. It's that good. Uh, but uh, yeah, property hmm. is no longer a theft. Just got on the service and uh, it is, it is great. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I wanted to, I wanted to go for that one. When I went to movie uh, the other day though, I, uh, they've got this double bill of mountaineering movies. Mm -hmm. One is a, is a drama uh, called North face, which I had heard of before. Mm -hmm. And one is a documentary called Miru. Uh, Ooh, the cat. Uh, mm -hmm, and yes. I was, I was like, I, I didn't know if it was foreign. I didn't know uh, what the deal was, but it's directed by Jimmy Chen, who directed Free Solo. Oh yeah. Um, oh. And a lot of people have seen Free Solo, and that that story. What love? What I loved about Free Solo is that it's not all about the climbing. Mm -hmm. It's about this dude, his relationships, how he became who he became, that kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. And so, but, uh, you know, I expected a climbing documentary, right? All right. And those are spectacular. This dude, uh, Jimmy Chen, is one of the, maybe two people on the planet that can get footage like he can get because mm-hmm. he is one of the best climbers in the world, too. And he just happens to be an excellent uh, cameraman. You're not ready for this movie uh, because. The climbing is spectacular. The shots are spectacular, but there's, and it goes, you know, through their first attempt at this. I won't say whether it's successful or not. And then it takes a turn, yo, this thing goes all over the place. There Hmm. is life threatening injuries that have nothing to do with climbing. Uh, There's one shot. uh, The main guy, the top climber in the entire world is Conrad anchor. Um, who's like world famous and he and Jimmy Chen are buddies and they climb together. And there's a shot of him on the cover of like outside magazine or something like that. And it says like Conrad anchor, uh, all his friends are gone. His life is a soap opera, uh, all that stuff. And like, I was like, what does that mean? His life is a soap opera. It's a fucking soap opera. It mm. is crazy. And, I can't describe this movie and I don't want to give too much away. Even though it's a documentary, you want to watch this movie. Uh, Maru. It's, it's a, it's got amazing visuals. This uh, Maru is, is a, uh, a summit that has never been uh, summited. (laughs) Mm -hmm. has never been climbed before by anybody in the history of ever. It's in the Mm -hmm. Himalayas uh, in uh, Northern India and Nepal. And uh, this is, three people's quest to conquer that. And it's intense. It is funny at times. It's heartbreaking at times and it is fucked up at times. Mm. Uh, I cannot recommend this anymore. It is so, so good. Especially if you liked free solo. Yeah. Uh, this movie is fantastic. It's mm. on movie right now. It's the only place that I've seen it. Uh, you can, you can watch all of this stuff. This wonderful film that uh, Chris watched this wonderful film that I watched and really, really a ton more content curated, uh, content streaming on your phone, your tablet, your TV, your Commodore 64. (laughs) We're just going to put this on everything. Aren't we (laughs) on every device that you have, you can get movie, go to M U B I.com slash cinema sense 30 days. Hey, you listening? You you listening? Listener? Listen, listener, mm. Look, don't, mm. Just, mm. don't tune out. All right. 30, 30, 30 days free, 30 mm. days free. Mm-hmm. If you go to movie.com slash cinema sense, it's 30 days. Well, you got to lose listener. You ain't got nothing to lose. So sign up right now and watch that Maru and let me know what you think, because it's awesome. Um, I'm going to recommend another uh, documentary that's on Netflix, uh, called operation varsity blues. Uh, which is about, <laughs> oh no about, which is about <laughs> yeah yeah it's about the college admissions thing that uh that happened a couple of years ago i didn't i didn't really uh, like pay much attention to the details of that story every every time you know that story came up it was like felicity hoffman and Lori laughlin and blah 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 and it's like basically the gist of it was oh they paid these colleges money to get their kids into the school. And I didn't hear any other details other than that. So the revelations in this documentary were surprising to me. 
that there was a guy that they, there was a guy who basically created an industry to do this. And, um, he would, uh, he would, he would call, he called it a side door into the university where your front door is like, you got accepted legitimately. There's a back door where you spend way too much money to get a second look basically. And then there's the side door where you're paying somebody on the inside to accept your kid, uh, for, uh, you know, you know, really for these wealthy families, nothing almost, but for people who are in, uh, the sports that they were trying to get these people into a lot of money. So this guy found sort of a loophole where, you know, like he would find sports like crew and, uh, and water polo and, uh, these, these very like small sports that lose money basically. And he would dress these students up basically as star players in that sport. Um, Hmm. And, and, and well, at least good enough to get in and they would go over to the coach or whoever he needed to, to, to grease the money with or whatever. He would say, you know, this person accept this person for this amount of money or whatever. And so that's basically what it came down to was coaches were accepting people onto their team and these people never had to show up for a practice. Um, Ah. and, uh, and so like, uh, the the thing about the universities, the reason why the universities don't see this is, and I ha- and I, obviously they do leave it at, at the end where you're just like, you know, the fucking universities knew about this shit. Come on, give me a fucking break. <laughs> but um, but like uh, the the one thing that they they said is that uh, you know they they trust the athletic the the coaches they trust the coaches to say, oh okay, this is who, who you want on your team. Okay. Well then we'll provide the money for them to be, to get the scholarship or whatever that they would never, these, these kids would never have to have a practice or anything. They get in the school. The other way that they would do this was he would do this was he would manipulate the ACT and the SAT, uh, tests where, um, the, he would set up some, he would, he would make it seem like the kid had a learning disability. And mm. people with learning disabilities are given more time on the ACT and SAT test. What, what happens is they, so it, so that the kid doesn't even know what's going on. The kid takes the test in a, a completely empty classroom, hands in the test. And then somebody who is in the testing industry that this guy found, uh, takes the test for them essentially to get the score that they needed on the, on, on the ACT or SAT. Um, so yeah, the, this documentary is fascinating. Just, uh, just the, how, how all this, how this works out. And I, I kept wondering who's the main villain in this. Um, because you could name, I think nearly everybody's equal, right? Like the, Mm. the, the, the coaches who take the money are creating this industry. And then you have the guy, the guy who's the the main dude who's who's pivoting all this type of stuff. You know, yeah, he seems like the big fish, but he's not really. He's just saying, hey, you know, would you would you take these kids in if I paid you money? And and these people are accepting it and everything. Um, yep. 
And, uh, and then, you know, the parents themselves are, are obviously, uh, not blameless and, and, uh, it, it it was hard to figure out who the real uh like who the real main bad guy is. I don't think there is a main bad guy in this. It's just a, it's just a you know. But these universities, man, the the U S like I think the the um they were trying to was it the USC thing? I think it was USC. I can't remember. Um, it was one of the colleges, the one of the one of the universities that was involved on this, like got seven hundred thousand dollars to their athletic director uh Jesus. that stuff that they didn't even stuff that they didn't even earn or ask for and then claimed to be the victim in all of this because mm. uh because they they were hoodwinked or whatever but then they didn't do anything with that money except just have it in their bank account the whole time. now the movie does say at the end that they deny that they had that money in their bank account uh, that they gave it to charity or something. I don't know what, sure. what the, whatever it was, but you know, it, it, the, the defense lawyer for one of the coaches and one of the coaches in here is, is presented as, as possibly blameless in this because he didn't take money to enrich himself. It was just to the athletics department that got that, that money came. Um, uh, the defense lawyer for that guy was like, I've never seen a case where, a, a victim got seven hundred thousand dollars, and then and then like somehow could claim that they've been harmed in a situation. You know, it was just, it, I've never seen a case like that. Um, anyway, uh, the Operation Varsity Blues thing is on Netflix, and if you wanted to learn more about that whole thing, when you kept hearing Lori Laughlin's name and Felicity Huffman's name in the news. It goes in detail about how the operation worked and how this came to be and everything. It's very fascinating. Pardon my ignorance. I usually do. Um, (laughs) What is the illegal part of this? Because this was an FBI investigation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What is it? Fraud? Is that the the crime that they were charged with? I don't know exactly what they, they called it. In this, but one at one point, the FBI, one of the FBI agents says, when you pay somebody uh, in a university to to accept somebody into a, a, you know, accept somebody or whatever, that's just illegal. It's just straight illegal. They were bringing up Rico stuff in this, too. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how much of it, uh, how much of that is Rico. I, I, I see a lot of discussion about Rico that's wrong, apparently, on Twitter a lot. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's I, I think it is probably some sort of fraud in there because it's not the, although there, I think there are, there was somebody in, implicated in actual admissions in one of these colleges. Um, but I think that's what it is. It's some sort of fraud. It's, it's somebody not getting into a place by the normal means, the fair means. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just saying like people uh, all the time, you know, boosters get their uh, big boosters, get their kids into mm-hmm. uh, universities. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like this is something that's just common practice among people with wealth. And I'm wondering where the illegal part is because 
it seems to go on in different ways. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And if a booster is getting his kid into Texas because he gave Texas $100,000 of booster money and not because his kid deserves it, that's that's illegal too. It's just not being well investigated. Even, even more surprising in this thing, this is the very beginning of the documentary. It says, I've given this university $750,000 and I'm a legacy. Why can't I get my kid in? And Jesus. they said... And they said $750,000 is nothing to these people. There's people who've paid $45 million. Yeah. Hmm. Jesus. Wow. Um, so, um, so yeah, there is definitely something there's, there's probably more of this going on, uh, except there's not a central figure where the FBI yeah. can just yeah. go and say, Hey, this guy's doing it. See, that's the thing, right? Like the thing that you're talking about, that probably is happening. But there's not yeah. like a there's not a big case to crack, right? Like it has to be a huge, uh, uh, one central figure that they can say this is the person who did all the stuff, and and you know they can they can go after that person. Uh, but and and because he, I'm asking because you just watched this last question, but is it just public universities or like if if you paid Harvard? Ten million dollars. It's definitely said, they they make a point about the prestige of the college. That's the that like that's the point of these of these whole things. The reason why, uh, you know, so nobody's going to be trying to get into Tennessee Tech this way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're 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 going to be getting into Harvard, Yale, uh, Stanford was a was a big one that was in here, USC. Um, the, that those are the kind of schools that they're going for because it's the prestige factor. And they, they lay some foundation in this documentary about, you know, some of these parents that did this, didn't even go to college or they didn't go to a good college. And this was, this is sort of their way of going to, going to a prestigious school. Like the, the, the Lori Laughlin thing, that was one thing that they kept talking about was Lori Laughlin and her husband never went to college. Uh, but they wanted their daughters to do that because it's prestigious to get into USC and the daughters, everybody this is of course, anecdotally in the documentary, they said they don't seem like the daughters really wanted to be in college at all. They didn't really need to be in college. Um, especially the one, the Lori Laughlin's daughter who had like Sephora uh, contract and all sorts yeah. of like stuff going on through her YouTube channel. She didn't need to go to college for any particular, like, you know, well-being of life or anything. Um, uh, but they're saying that, that there's a foundation they lay that says, you know, it's basically these colleges are all trying to be number one, the most prestigious school in the country. And uh, and all these parents are trying to who have never been in like big colleges before just doing it so that they can sort of live vicariously. So. Um, hmm. so it's stuff like, did that answer your question? Yeah, I guess. I, <laughs> I guess it didn't. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I, it, like, I, I just know, I just know that like at Northwestern or Vanderbilt, like if, if you are a wealthy donor and say you've, especially if you've got a name over like a building or something like that, mm-hmm. your progeny is getting into that school regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's, mm-hmm. it seems like it's just an accepted fact and you know i'm just so wondering homelessness. what there <laughs> i don't know why i made that analogy it's what? probably the weed um i guess my point is you seem to be saying because it's just accepted 
how is it illegal? And I'm I, I, homelessness is a bad example, but speeding is not. Speeding is a good one. It's illegal to speed, but we all just do it and accept it. And every now and then one of us gets caught and we bitch about it. But, so, yeah, I do think it goes on left and right. And I do think that they let legacy kids into the school just because they're so-and-so's kid and not because of their grades. And I still think that's illegal, at least at, yeah. definitely with public universities. But I think bribery in almost any circumstance is illegal. So, yeah, what is, I, I what just, is hey, this isn't surprising. What is <laughs> confusing, me. though, about what you've just said is if that's true, then why are why is the person at the beginning of this documentary telling a story about I paid this much money to get and I'm a legacy and I can't get my kid in. So that must be happening as well um, that yeah. where they're not getting in. Uh, but I would imagine it's common practice. And the reason why there is such thing as legacy is there might be a legal term for that, because if you are a legacy, then you can be accepted because your, your father was, went to that school or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. Peyton Manning's kid might be dumb as a box of rocks, but if he wants to go to Tennessee, he's getting in. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean it's ethical or legal. Well, so, maybe that's something I, that I, documentary could have covered a little bit better than uh, is to say this type of stuff still happens with large donors. But in this one case, there was somebody helping them out doing it. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the real issue comes in for the FBI, especially since this guy had, he said he had like 200 something side door things going on in wow. one year. Wow. Um, so it, it could just, it could just be a matter of how many, how, how many people are being manipulated in one, in one, uh, um, in this chain of uh you know whatever where the money is going and and that is what they're they're worried about whereas a, a rich donor and the the university accepts them i mean it it may not be as bad as 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 that as that really even though there is mm. technically some bribery going on there yeah, if yeah, i were gonna yeah. if i were gonna draw lines of shades of gray i think it's worse to cheat your kid's sat score to gain admittance mm-hmm. absolutely school, absolutely yeah yeah uh, which is what felicity huffman had done from what i understand um, yeah so i think i mean they're both well, bad and, in my eyes and that what was the the you know the documentary was like you know her her kid would have gotten into the college that she that she wanted uh, anyway. but she was led to believe that she wasn't good enough to get in. Um, and that's why she ended up paying that dude money. So, um, they used to live in my neighborhood, uh, Billy Macy and, uh, Felicity. Oh uh, yeah. Chicago in Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <clears throat> you want to have me spoil a movie that I thought was laughably terrible. Yes. Sure. Uh, let's go back to the summer of 1994. <clears throat> ah, those halcyon days. That's when, right. if you recall, James Spader came out with Dream Lover. Uh, oh, probably don't <laughs> Dream Lover. I never saw this? this movie. Never saw this movie, but I, I always saw, saw it at Blockbuster. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, ooh, Dream Lover, eh? Um, <laughs> listen, when I'm done, you may very well rent this movie from the okay. imaginary Blockbuster. It's actually on Pluto. I don't know what the fuck Pluto. Okay. Is, but, All right. I know. I see um, it coming. So I swear to God, 
half of this movie is on the cutting room floor because there are parts of it that go lightning fast and parts of it that go molasses slow. (laughs) So like James Spader's at an art gallery, spills wine on an incredibly hot woman. I'm not even going to try and couch the fact that this woman isn't attractive. The actress's name is, oh, she's got... An umlaut. That's no magic. Yeah, magic. Right. She's. I think that's right. I mean, it's probably wrong, but whatever. But yeah, I know you're talking about. She's pretty. She's pretty, and the movie is all about her being pretty. But she, having got wine spilled on her, she goes off on him. Like wow, wow. James Spader's (laughs) life sucks, man. Then next thing you know, he's at the supermarket. Hey, it's that same girl. And then they start talking. And she apologizes for freaking out about the wine and they end up going for sushi. And he walks her home. She says goodnight, goes into her apartment building. And that's that. He doesn't know her last name. He doesn't Mm. know where she works. And so within 24 hours, this dude has resorted to stalking the front door of her apartment complex. Literally in the dark until she comes home. Um, She, of course, is charmed by this apparently and invites him <laughs> of up of course it's a 90s movie she invites him up they have sex much nudity and literally the next scene is their wedding and then what? literally two what? scenes later they're cradling a baby together on the mattress that what they just the had. fuck is this, this like movie's going so fast <laughs> and you're like what is happening well this is like mother yeah she's mysterious <laughs> yeah. this one she's got some weird behaviors disappears mm-hmm. at weird times and starts showing up with bruises that he doesn't understand or know where she got them and he he meets a woman and over coffee she mentions she went to such and such university which is where his wife went and this is where he finds out all of his wife's stories at the university are lies. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. lied about her past. Oh no, I guess <laughs> I'm going to wait three years and then drive to her hometown because that's what he does. Um, <clears throat> three years later, he drives to her hometown and finds out, oh, that's not her name. She goes by Sissy, but also goes by this other name and there may be two of them. We're not mm-hmm. sure, but her mm-hmm. parents live over there. So he goes over to talk to the parents, and they already know his name. Wah, wah, wah. Um, <laughs> and none of the stories are matching up, right? So he goes back and then finally catches her in a lie because, well, not a lie. She just, well, I think it was on purpose, but her visa uh, bill comes to his office instead of going to the house like it always does. And he mm. sees how much money she's spending every Wednesday at the Hotel Casa Vadasa Vaduba. <laughs> and so he goes home and confronts her. You're fucking someone, aren't you? And she just goes, yep. And <laughs> it's one of your friends. And I'm not going to tell you who. And also, your kids might not be your kids. They might oh, be shit. his. Ha, ha, ha. And he punches her. Um, <clears throat> then he storms out. Because that's what you do after you punch your wife. You storm out for a brisk walk. And he comes home to a psychiatrist and the cops. And they 5150 him. And they put him in and lock him up for six months in the psych ward. Because the judge believes the bruises were from the husband. And the sudden psychiatrist he didn't know existed says, She's been seeing me for months. 
telling me he beats her and show, showing up with these bruises. And James Spader's like, I'm going crazy. I'm not actually crazy, but you think I'm crazy. And it's making me crazy. <laughs> and <clears throat> finally, he has an idea. I'm spoiling this movie. I don't give a shit. He talks to a friend on the phone who knows both him and this wife who locked him up and says, you tell her she made a mistake in her grand plan because she had earlier confessed, right? Yes, I'm sleeping with this other guy, but also that she'd been lying to him all along. She just wanted this money, right? Because he's a super wealthy guy. So Mm -hmm. he says that hoping to lure her out of hiding, right? Which, of course, what happens? She comes to see him at the psych ward and they're taking a stroll and He's being followed by one of the one of the medical dudes, like always. Only there's a distraction, and another patient jumps on the medical dude and distracts him and runs away. And now James Spader and his evil wife are all alone, still out in the open in front of a bunch of windows, but all alone. Where he says, "Your mistake was, I'm crazy," and he starts choking her. And he says, "I can't be." charged with homicide if i'm crazy and she starts this wild look at her eyes and he's like i'm criminally insane and then the most ridiculous part of the whole movie is he says in a year they'll find me sane again and i'll be out on the street and you'll be dead and i'm like what world do you live in where you think people found <laughs> criminally insane of murder are out within a year that he kills her on the spot end of movie this movie thought it had something 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 and it Mm -hmm. was just a lot of nothing and i watched every single bit of it and i'm still warning even though there's there's a movie i saw recently that has almost this exact same plot except for the ending that you just described and i'm trying to remember what i saw uh because because the it's that same kind of deal where it's like I don't even, I don't know about, I don't know if the, the, the kid, maybe the kid thing happened too. God, I'll have to think about that. But, uh, I swear I've seen a movie just like this, like, like very recently. Um, it was the remake of dream lovers starring Josh Hartnett. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Exactly. Manuel. Did you Lesnicki. see that? Did you see that report that Matt Damon, Almost didn't get cast in The Martian because the studio really, really wanted um, stripper dancey boy. Um, what, Channing Tatum? Uh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, yeah. Can you imagine that movie boy. with... I mean, Channing Tatum would have been okay, but I feel like Matt Damon's performance is what really makes that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like I mean, Channing Tatum a lot, but hey, no. <laughs> yeah. He's not right seeing him seeing him say I gotta science the shit out of this just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. What does he say? Fuck, fuck you science. Fuck you science. Yeah. <laughs> um Wow. Wow. All right, that sounds awful. Uh, and Barry, you got one more? You got a... Right yeah, 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 I got one. I got one. I got one that disappointed me. I hated it. I hated that I hated it because mm-hmm. I love Taylor Sheridan. I love this guy. He wrote Hell or High Water. Uh, he wrote uh, he wrote uh, Sicario, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, he's is he directing your Yellowstone thing, Jeremy? Uh, he directed the... He directed episodes but he's the showrunner and he's the writer creator so he just did a movie uh called those who wish me dead worst title fucking ever by the way (laughs) um 
This is Taylor Sheridan. It was written or at least produced by Steve uh, Zalian. Uh, and there's a lot of good people in this. Angelina Jolie. Nicholas Holt is in this. One of our, our faves. Your boy Littlefinger. Uh, uh, right? Is that Aiden, Aiden Gillen? Gillen? Is, uh, Aiden yeah, Gillen. yeah. He's in there. John Bernthal is in here. Uh, nice. He's really, really good. Uh, actually, he's yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, this movie's all over the place. There are parts of this movie that I really like, and there's parts of them that I hate. But the the big part is that it's a million movies in one. It's you know a relationship story. It's a hunter survival story. It's a fire smoke jumper movie. It's a trauma movie. It's a, it's a family movie. It's there's so many things going on in there. The, uh, the, the ostensible plot is that Angelina Jolie welcome return for her, by the way, I haven't seen her in anything, especially this populist in forever. Um, and, and she looks and acts great. Um, she is a, the captain of a smoke jumper team and she lost control of a blaze and oh, no. and she lost she lost one of her team members. So and she's far, it's courage by. under fire, but with fire people instead of yeah. war, Iraqi war tank guys. That's right. <laughs> and so they they demote her to to a tower, a tower where she looks out for fires. That's Ooh. her punishment for getting Ooh. somebody killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, meanwhile, there's a dude uh, that gets killed by Nicholas Holt. And Aiden Gillum, Gilliam, Gillum, Gillum, sure, yeah, sure, uh, sure. who are assassins, and they blows oh, up his Ooh. house, and then they go after another dude who's got a little boy, right? And and this is you know in Florida because why not? Sure, uh, yeah, right. And that guy is played by uh, the guy who I've really never seen since playing the lead in Dawn of the Dead, uh, the Zack Snyder version. Uh, it is, uh, it is, uh, it is, uh, uh, Bing Rames. Jake, Jake, Jake Weber, Jake Weber. Yeah. He's got that. <laughs> he's a good actor. Uh, and I loved him in Dawn of the Dead. Uh, but he takes his boy and flees away from the assassins and the assassins pursue, right? Mm. Biddly boo, biddly bop. Somehow the, the kid ends up, uh, meeting Angelina Jolie while she's out there, uh, you know, doing tower her walk. tower stuff. Yeah. Right. And they go on the run together. And then John Bernthal plays her ex, who's got a wife that's pregnant. And they're also survivalists. And so the, 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 yeah, exactly, right? And so the assassins go after him because he's got some relation with the dude uh, and the boy. And so they may be coming over there. This is like out in Arizona or something like that. This movie movie is absolutely terrible. By the way, there's a big fire. That uh, that's gonna that that has to advance on Angelina Jolie, and right. she's got to get the kid away from the fire and the assassins to and redeem herself. Right? I swear to God, man! I swear to fucking God! Oh, there's a there's a storm, and Angelina gets electrocuted, and oh. we're concerned about that she for a second. Superpowers? Mm-hmm. It is absolutely all over the place. I mean, like I said, it, it, there are some things that are that are fun in this movie. Actually, Aiden Gillen's character is pretty fucking great. Nicholas Holt is always good. Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie hilariously gets beaten the fuck out of in this movie. She is electrocuted. She falls from the tower. She gets burned. She gets struck by lightning. 
like at a different time twice. Right. Okay. And she gets beat up by one of the assassin boys. It, it, <laughs> this, this movie had me absolutely rolling my eyes all the way through. And I hated that, uh, that I hated it because I like everybody involved. I was very much looking forward to it. It's on HBO max and in theaters right now. Uh, but I, this is a hard one for me. Mm. Hard, mm. hard, hard, mm. erection, worn hard, uh, hard, <laughs> lives, lonely road. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about Manscaped. Manscaped, yeah, That's baby. Right. Hey, listen, people, we, you know us, you know we don't, uh, you know, talk about products that we don't use, that we don't enjoy. <laughs> That we wouldn't want to recommend to you. So I shaved my balls recently. Oh, and I used mm-hmm. it. I mm-hmm. used it. Used the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 for it. And let me tell you mm-hmm. something. This is mm-hmm. the Cadillac of personal grooming mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. your stuff. Okay. That's right. This is this is specifically made. It's the gentlest thing. It's like you're being Kissed by a goldfish down there. Lawnmower 4.0 is where you want to go. This is this is the newest technology. It's so gentle. You can use it for all of your man hair. Or mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. ladies, mm-hmm. I want to be very, very careful here. Mm-hmm. I'm no Please expert. Do. I'm no expert. But but I'm, I hear you guys have similar stuff to what, not similar stuff, <laughs> but similar <laughs> regions <laughs> that we do. And you can use that on your lady parts. The lawnmower 4.0 is how you want to go. This is this is something 
this is something that I that I crave now. I've done it twice. I've done it twice. I did it. I did it the. I did it the first time. And then I needed a little touch up. Let it grow out and a so, little so I can do it. Again. Yeah, let it grow out, grow out a little. And now I got a little buzz cut. And man, I I feel great. I feel refreshed. Look, it's getting around beach season. Uh, mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, speedo That's right. season, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, fellas. And uh, you don't want to be, you know, like uh, growing out like a nope, you nope. know, a, a big a big uh, forest down no. there. No, you want to get it nice and and tight. <laughs> like a marine crop top. All right. The lawnmower mm-hmm. 4.0 from Manscaped will help you get there. Go to manscaped.com and enter the code SINCAST. And here's what you get you get 20% off of this wonderful new product and free worldwide shipping. So, y'all folks in the UK, you know who you are. You know you're UK Ian. You can. You could shave your balls. <laughs> shave your bollocks. <laughs> With the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. It is a beautiful product. You get 20% off with the promo code SINCAST. Free worldwide shipping. Shave your bollocks. Take care of your boys. Ladies, do your thing. And go to manscaped.com. Enter the promo code SINCAST. Do it right now. Do it. Do it for yourself, guys. Do it. Just make it happen. All right. So uh, our main uh, section today is we're going to be going to the mailbag. We're going to be asking. We're going to answer some questions. Yeah. From some of fine people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. So we've gotten some stuff from, I got, I got a few from Facebook and then there's what, a few from uh, SoundCloud? SoundCloud, Reddit, uh, the email, you can go to cinemasensincast at gmail.com uh, and hit me up with your uh, questions. Uh, Twitter, we've gotten them from all over the place, uh, but we got some good ones. We got some good ones. All right. Awesome. Ready, ready to go? Let's do it. Here we go. Do you consider deleted scenes to be canon? Shots and scenes left on the cutting room floor may be considered non-canonical as they don't make it to the final story told on screen. But the script and acting decisions were informed by these details nonetheless, thus influencing the canon indirectly. For instance, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Boromir is depicted as a war hero and loving brother to Faramir in the deleted scenes, a characteristic that informs how he is perceived by the rest of the Fellowship. But lacking that information, the viewer knows him as little more than a brash, selfish character whose pride is unfounded. What are we to interpret as, quote, the truth? So this is a good question because I it made me actually consider this for longer than normal because a lot of times when, you know, there's a debate about, well, you should have watched the director's cut or whatever. And I'm just like, well, fuck, I saw the theatrical version. What do you want me to do? I mean, what are we considering the real thing here? Um, in the end, I was sitting there thinking, is it is it possibly the version that most people have gotten exposed to over time is what becomes Canon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I remember we had, uh, we were recording one time, I think, and uh, we were talking about Anchorman and mm-hmm. I've seen the unrated version of Anchorman more than I've seen the theatrical version of it at this point. Now, I don't know. I can't remember if that's a choice. I put the Blu-ray in and maybe just, 
click on unrated just as uh, you know, maybe most people go to the theatrical or whatever. But I remember thinking that the part right after he says, go fuck yourself, San Diego, there's a scene where he's going out and there's the angry mob outside. And he's like, I would never say fuck. I would never fucking fucking say that and all that. <laughs> and I was, I thought that was the part of the movie at that point. And like I had never, and I brought this up at one point and I think Barrett was like, no, no, that wasn't part of the original. Mm. And so I think, and there's no way to measure this. This is why I, I, I would like to say just no, it doesn't. These, these, these deleted scenes are not canon. There's no way to measure whether the mass, the, the, the masses have seen a particular version of something more than they have seen the original theatrical cut and whatever. And I ended up just thinking this is like Schrodinger's canon, right? Uh, <laughs> because there are, because, because deleted scenes can both not be and be part of the canon. Um, and, and, but I, to me, I think it depends on how, which version do people watch the most, which people, you know, like if you went out to a bar and you started talking about the star Wars trilogy, how many people would bring up shit from the special edition, uh, as, as, as Canon, whereas most of us who watched the trilogy millions of times before the special edition would say the original trilogy before they changed anything would be Canon. Mm. So, well, and it's also a fluid definition, right? Because movies can just say okay we're gonna skip three four five and six in this franchise pretend like, like the halloween franchise where they're mm -hmm. pretending none of those movies are happened and we're gonna do a direct sequel to this so now none of those are technically canon anymore mm -hmm. who's right. deciding that is it danny mcbride is it the, the <laughs> property the ip owner uh, the studio it's a great question uh and my gut answer that i wrote down was no that if a deleted scene cannot be part of canon uh canon is the original version vision we get but then like you said i started thinking about the star wars special editions where lucas is just like no those old ones are not canon anymore i made this and i'm telling you these ones are canon now that's all i'm going to sell you for the rest of your life um does that even change what canon is for some Star Wars fans? Mm -hmm. I doubt it. Um, right. Fascinating discussion starter, but I don't know if we can concretely answer that question. No. You have to also think about, you know, the the filmmaker's vision. And I, I immediately think about Ridley Scott and Blade Runner, and I think about Richard Kelly, who we talked to, and his two more popular films, Donnie Darko and Southland Tales. Um it, we heard it from him that the can cut of uh, Southland Tales is not what he intended. Uh, it wasn't done because of financial constraints, because of time constraints and things like that. And so he already had this mapped out and he had this shot, but it, he just couldn't get it to where it needed to be by the time that that came out, which became the theatrical release. Same thing with Donnie Darko. Uh, so, yeah, I, and and obviously with Blade Runner, it's gone through different iterations. Uh, you know, it had the narration on the theatrical release initially, uh, which I think Ridley Scott hated. I know everybody else hated it. Um, and you know, so he's since come out with his director's cut. I think a few different. 
cuts. There's several different versions of Blade yeah. Runner, which is which makes this con- that conversation even more complex. And Apocalypse yeah. Now has been doing this. Yep, no kidding, um, right? You know, Apocalypse <laughs> Now has a four hour version, a three hour version, and a two hour version. So which one is it? And you know, Coppola's got a, you know the the Redux, which he was so proud of a few years ago. Of course, a lot of this look, a lot of this is about money, right? When they come out with the different cuts. Yeah, and that's what it what it comes down to. I think in well, the Coppola case, it might be in that case. So yeah, <laughs> every time I make the joke, I've done it twice now on Twitter about Scotty carrying that mostly dead engineering guy all the way up to the bridge to say, "Look, mm. fuckers, look what you caused." Somebody <laughs> yeah. always corrects me and says, "There's a deleted scene where you find out that's his nephew," and I'm always like, "That's not canon, bitches. That doesn't count. Like it's a deleted well, and, scene." And in plus, context, it makes f- no sense. Fuck. Who gives a fuck if it's his nephew? Why did he yeah. carry him all the way up there? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking give a That's shit. A good point. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think if, and especially the, the part of the question where it says, you know, that informs different, uh, or the, the later subsequent actions. Um, I, I'll give you one example. Uh, in American Beauty, we've talked about this before. The original ending was to have uh, Wes Bentley and Thora Birch's character put on trial for mm-hmm. the murder of Kevin Spacey's character uh, because, and the original theatrical cut has that scene of, of Wes Bentley filming, or no, she puts it on him, and she's like, maybe we should just kill him, uh, referring to her father. And so that's who gets blamed for the murder. I never knew really what the, the purpose of that scene was until I figured out that it, they get implicated later on. So that makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it canon, but it would enrich that whole story. It would make that scene make a lot of sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to. <laughs> so we didn't answer your question. <laughs> we, we, I mean, I, I think we're all kind of know about it. Yeah. Because in the end, the the movie that comes out in the the theater is the th- movies are collaborations, right? So that means the director and everybody who made that movie and the studio are involved. And yeah, that sucks that there's so many uh, cooks in the kitchen and everything. But that's the movie that they decided to come out with. It, it, there's some, you know, there, there's some gaffer who doesn't want this version of the movie out either. <laughs> they, they have a different version of the movie in their head. The too. Gaffer's cut. Gaffer cut. Oh, that would be awesome. Some yeah. movie needs to come out with a gaffer cut. That would be great. Seriously. The best boy cut. <laughs> yeah, honestly, exactly. Now, honestly, wouldn't that be cool if you took a movie and you made some kind of reality show like Project Greenlight out of, you could probably never do this, but let's say a studio was balls enough to say, we're going to give you all the assets, everything we shot, and you make a cut of this movie that you think is unique or improves the movie. I bet you see some really interesting shit come out of yeah. a competition like that. There's no doubt you would. Um, when when people, I think, I you know, it, under the circumstance of where somebody's actually making a movie and editing it and getting it out in the theaters, there's a lot of pressure to get it to be this one way. Whereas the people who took that footage who have no pressure whatsoever, other than to maybe win a contest, they would come up with some really cool things that the, the people who are under pressure would never have come up with. Mm -hmm. So 
I think it would be awesome. I've always thought it would be cool too. If like you got four awesome directors to shoot the same script. Yeah. And, and see yeah. how they come up with difference, uh, different things and everything. There's a lot of these anthologies that they've, they've combined all these big directors. I would love to see the same movie getting shot four times and just to see what they would do with it and everything. So that'd be awesome. That's an awesome idea. Here's the next one. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Jump okay. Around. I like this one. What moment from a good movie makes you laugh, even though it's supposed to be serious? I recently rewatched The Bourne Identity, and I couldn't help but chuckle when the assassin jumps out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, there's a scene. I may have even brought this up before, but there's a scene in The Kids Are All Right where you know, the movie's about, you know, uh, Mark Ruffalo is the biological dad of these kids that Julianne Moore and Annette Benning are raising, a lesbian couple raising two kids. Uh, and uh, one of the kids wants to, or both of the kids want to meet their biological dad. So they start hanging out with Mark Ruffalo a bunch. And then finally Ruffalo starts coming up with these ideas or, 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 you know, whatever of like what they should be able to do and all this type of stuff. So there's a big scene where Annette Benning gets pissed off at Mark Ruffalo and, and, uh, and Ruffalo was like, well, I was just thinking maybe you could do this and this and whatever. And Annette Benning, I'm the only person in the theater who laughs at this. So I was fucking embarrassed to shit, I guess when this happened, but uh, but she goes, I need your advice. Like I need your dick in my ass. And I was just, <laughs> I was the only person in that theater of like 20 or so laughing at that. And I was like, Oh, oh, oh I guess that's serious. I don't know. Um, uh, and, and I remember also, uh, I, I didn't, it, I didn't really even notice this when the first time I watched it. Uh, but I remember when in the line of fire came out at my theater, and when I was at Williamson Square, the uh, we were watching it the Thursday night before it came out. And somebody, there's a big meeting at the beginning of this or whatever. And this guy goes, I don't have time for this. I've got 5,000 sta- agents stationed in Miami. And he walks out. And like, and somebody next to me, like a couple of years older than me, was like, "What the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> fucking agents in Miami. What does that have to fucking do with?" <laughs> oh man! So now I laugh at that line every time I see it. So nice, nice. What do you think? Um, I always laugh at the Star Trek. I think it's Rathacon, um, where they talk about yeah, because they're going to the Nebula and and. Uh, I think it's uh, Savick is like, uh, hey, our instruments won't work in there. And Spock says, uh, or Spock or Kirk, fuck it, I'm fucking it up. It's the weed. But one of them says, sauce for the goose. <laughs> and I always giggle because sauce for the goose is uh, one of the silliest phrases I've ever heard used in a movie, <laughs> especially in a tense climax. And then, of course, he has to explain uh, what that meant to both the audience watching the movie and the person he said it to. And he says, one of the silliest lines in all of history, but I love it. The odds will be even. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just, that's a silly moment. And then another one I wrote down um, is in uh, the end of the Martian, uh, honestly enough. So he, he's been saved uh, and the movie has been charting his souls on Mars. Right. So the movie opens with like soul. I don't know, 18. And how do you not storm. know that? because <laughs> uh, i smoked a bunch of weed this morning um True. and uh so then it'll occasionally 
jump forward in time and let you know that by saying Saul 162 or whatever. So at the very end of the movie, he's been rescued. He's back on Earth. He's grown his hair. He's got glasses now. And he's getting ready to teach a NASA uh, class. And he reaches down to tie his shoe and sees a little plant because he's a botanist, remember? Mm -hmm. Um, And it says on the subtitle, say, day one. And I always giggle at that because, first of all, it's subtitles being ironic, I guess. Um, It's also, I'm not sure what we're marking because the souls were marking his mission well before there was a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you're saying this is his next challenge, but the challenge didn't start until Soul 19 when everybody left him on his own. I don't understand what they're going for. It's also not his first day back on Earth. He's been on Earth for clearly a long-ass time. You could have just said one year later, if you needed a subtitle at all there, and gone to him teaching the class, and it would have been the exact same ending you were going for. But somebody in the script department decided, oh, instead of Soul... 592 we should have it say day one because now he's back he's on earth. Back and on everybody earth. just everybody just nodded and went with it and no one ever questioned it again and, it, and every single time it makes me kind of cringe giggle i'm just like eh, no, don't do that. <laughs> i wonder if that's in the book i wonder uh, if no, I, don't, I don't remember it's definitely not in the book they don't have it they yeah. may they may keep track of souls but i don't think there's like uh, right. dramatic titles that you know show up. <laughs> nice. I don't even think him teaching at the end is in the book. I think the no, book ends with his either. rescue. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of Daniel Day Lewis uh, dramatic Ooh. things that make oh, me chuckle sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one one I can't help it. I'm sorry, but the, I've abandoned my boy. I've abandoned mm-hmm. my child. Yeah. Well, well, you you know, it's interesting. There is some, there is something funny to that scene though, because I mean, it's serious, but at the same time, he's being very disingenuous. Yeah. Uh, He's been forced to say that uh, (laughs) so that he can get this pipeline continuing and everything. Um, So, so the fact that he goes so deeply into it is kind of funny i mean look <laughs> look it's so it's great it gives me chills but it also makes me giggle for some reason and the same thing happens and it's a it's a ddl specialty is these you know intense moments within the crucible at the end he he's, he <laughs> gives himself up to be hanged and he's like i have given you my soul leave me my name <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> There's 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 no other way to look at that crucible moment other than he is going full out over the top. I remember seeing that going to be. Yeah, I remember looking at that going. This is very intense, maybe too intense. (laughs) I got one more. And uh, you guys have probably seen this. Uh, Meet Joe Black is not the best movie in the world. Uh, But spoiler spoiler alert. Brad Pitt dies towards the beginning, right after he mm-hmm. meets Claire Forlani in a coffee shop. Do you guys remember this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what happens is he walks out, and I swear you got to you, you listener have to have to YouTube this and and watch this scene. You haven't lived. He he looks back at her as she leaves because they go their separate ways, and she looks back at him, and then she walks away, and he looks back at her. I swear to God, it goes on for like. 
feels like five minutes that they're walking down the sidewalk and looking back at each other. And then finally she turns the corner <clears throat> and then she comes back around. But by that time, Brad Pitt has wandered out or not wandered has walked out on the crosswalk into a street and she comes around the corner and he looks back at her and they have this eye contact. And then all of a sudden a car comes by and he gets out of the way and you're like, whoo, that was close. Boom. Another car hits him. Boom. Another car hits him after that. It's the most violent death scene ever. It's like, it's so fucking hilarious. It's like God has a pinball machine and, he's fucking, and cars are for flippers. And, and cause, cause he just, it, I mean, you could really put pinball sounds to that death scene because he's flipping all over the place. in that thing. Oh, it's so funny. It's the greatest thing ever. I don't think they were going for humor in that. I think they were going for tragedy, but yeah, God, it's hilarious. It's the greatest. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> All right, everybody, it is time to talk about better help. Yes. Help. Tell you what, people, what you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of yourself. It's getting nicer out. Things are looking up uh, in various places in the world, including the U.S. Um, you still have to take care of yourself. There's so many stories about people getting absolutely burned out uh, from this past year <laughs> plus. Uh, and there it's, it's hard to remember to take care of yourself. Um, I'll talk about, uh, women and mothers specifically. I was reading an article, uh, interviewing Padma Lakshmi, uh, from top chef. And she was saying that she hit a wall over the holidays. Uh, she was doing everything for her child. She was also trying to promote a new series. She was filming the new top chef in a bubble and she said it, it finally, like the weight of pretending everything was normal, finally uh, got to her because she hadn't taken care of herself. She was taking care of her kids and she was taking care of everybody else. I know a lot of, especially working uh, moms out there, have exponential stress and exponential you know, issues to deal with. And I'm telling you to take care of yourself. BetterHelp is something that you can do from home. It's an online counseling service with licensed professional counselors. Uh, you can log on, do your session, and then go right back to your day. Uh, trust me, it is a great service. You can do text. You can do video chats, um, anything like that. BetterHelp is a terrific option. You know, um, I just want to encourage you to explore through therapy, uh, what your triggers are, right? Whether it's, uh, whether your issues, depression or anxiety or PTSD, uh, almost all mental health conditions have some sort of a exasperating external circumstance that can trigger, uh, yep. you to have a moment or an attack or what have you. Um, <clears throat> and the, the way that I learned a lot of mine was through therapy. Um, and I think that's because therapists are trained to help you explore, um, both how you're feeling and then, of course, why you're feeling that way. Uh, and then when they zoom further out and look at your whole life, you begin to see the, the systemic triggers uh, that shape your mental health. Uh, but when you do identify your triggers, I mean, you do need to work beyond that on them. But just identifying them yep. helps immensely uh, because you feel like you've gained a victory 
over your mental health. Like, oh, you're not so sneaky. I know what you're doing. Uh, and then you can begin to avoid them or work on a plan for how to address yourself before you go into an environment that triggers you. Um, and uh, so that's my tip for the day is to explore your triggers. And uh, BetterHelp has all kinds of licensed therapists for various kind of mental health issues. Uh, and you can get matched up in no time uh, and get to work right away. Yeah, it's fantastic. You can actually do uh, team counseling, uh, couples counseling. Uh, you can get involved directly I individually with your counselor. I was uh, watching a video earlier. Uh, Emma Stone is out promoting uh, Cruella and realized that she had just done a not like a PSA uh, along with Gabourey Sidibe and a few other people talking about kids' mental health, especially after the pandemic. Uh, this is something that we all need to be uh, paying attention to. You know, worry, stress, anxiety, sadness, depression, anger, all that stuff uh, you need to address at some point. And BetterHelp is a great option. Go to betterhelp.com slash Zencast. Uh, get 10% off your first month. It's so easy to sign up. You just answer a few questions. You get matched to your counselor within 24 hours, and you're off and running. And it's so fantastic. Go to betterhelp.com slash Zencast. Don't wait anymore. Do it right now. Oh, I like this one a lot. I just watched Fatal Attraction for the first time. Uh, good for you. And while it was a lot of fun and Glenn Close was amazing, I can't help but feel... Like, the second act is the most interesting part of the movie, where you gradually realize that this woman is insane. I will not be ignored, Dan. Mm -hmm. um, I found this interesting because it seems like most movies have trouble keeping the second act as engaging as the first and third. What are some movies that peak, <laughs> that peak in the second act? I like this question a lot. Interesting. I'm going to come up with two movies that I've compared. Uh, they're 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 both rise and fall movies, basically, uh, and they 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 sort of have they sort of mirror each other in the way that there's a rise and fall. And these are great movies. There's no, doesn't mean that the third acts of these movies are awful, but Goodfellas and Boogie Nights uh, yeah. feel that way to me. And it's all because there is, there is an inevitable fall that happens to all these characters who, when they're having their, just, just uh, after they have their heyday and that's supposed to happen in this movie. But at when you're watching this, you get these excited highs watching, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're into like, you know, gangster shit and Goodfellas, you know, you're into Scorsese's direction and everything. Goodfellas has got this just tremendous second act. Uh, where there's, you know, uh, you know, you have, um, uh, you have Billy bats, uh, happening. You have the, the Latanza heist happens, uh, and all that. And, and it's, there's all this exciting stuff. Third act of the movie, Henry Hill is on drugs mm -hmm. and it's, it doesn't have the same feel of this and it's not supposed to, I'm not saying that it should, it's just that it doesn't match the, what we saw in that second second act it does have that great helicopter scene uh with the 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 nielsen song uh mm -hmm. playing over it and everything and uh and uh and you know the, the all the different things he's got to do prepare dinner fuck this one girl get the drugs all this other type of stuff uh so it does have that in it um uh boogie nights same sort of deal uh you know they the the rise of the porn industry at the, just at the right time in the mid to late 70s 
where Dirk Diggler is having uh, actually getting real actual mainstream stardom from being in a from being in porn and everything. And then once the the video and everything starts starts coming into Boogie Nights where they're not shooting on film anymore. Uh, he is he starts taking drugs and he starts doing the uh you know he starts trying to become a recording artist and with you got the touch <laughs> and uh and uh all that and then it ends with the uh alfred molina thing and the then the the you know then he's go it goes even further down into the abyss by because he's uh he's like halfway prostituting himself for people yeah, he's in, cars. Off in front of yeah yeah, and uh, and uh, Roller Girl is doing backseat, uh, you know, backseat porn with strangers coming off the street and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's you know it just doesn't have that same kind of high. And and I'm and that may not be answering this question. It, it may be that the third act is just sucks. The third acts of those two movies don't suck. It's just that they're not what the second act is so mm-hmm. 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 that's good stuff that's good stuff the dark knight um mm. now listen i know there's at least one or two videos out there breaking down the underground car chase that like to pick on nolan's staging of action um let's throw that out the window for a moment and just talk about the first time you saw this movie when you're not thinking about the angles and the, the cuts and you're just watching this film that chase is incredible yes it and is. it goes <clears throat> it builds very well the score builds it well you know something's coming and then they they see that fire and they go down you're like oh shit then joker shows up with slaughter is the best medicine truck and the rocket launchers and you're like jesus christ and then they crash the fucking batmobile but then it turns <laughs> into a bike and the chase <laughs> continues and he fires those ropes and flips a semi and joker's coming out like he's one only they trick you up all the way through the interrogation and the explosion that kills rachel it's intense as fuck and it just never gets back to that level we get a finale mm-hmm. that cuts between an a partially built skyscraper where you can't see anything that's going on and two ferries full of one that's only got prisoners on it and the whole blow up the other one dilemma just none of that is anywhere near as riveting as that middle sequence of action mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's always been a little disappointing to me, especially because the only way Batman finds Joker, the great detective, is he eavesdrop on the entire city of Gotham. Like mm-hmm. that, this earlier you earlier you fucking analyzed the <laughs> analyzed the bullet that you shot in your awesome Batcave to find like that you got from an apartment. Like you're doing all this detective work in this movie, but at the very end, the way you find him is let's just eavesdrop. Hey, Morgan Freeman, why don't you do it? And just tell me when you hear him, and then I'll ride off on the motorcycle. And mm-hmm. it's always—I love that movie. Don't get me wrong; it's one of my very favorite movies ever, and one of my very favorite superhero movies. But the the the, the middle is definitely where it peaks. Not to fucking mention all the Two Face stuff. I yeah. hate that shit. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I honestly, absolutely hate that stuff. Go where you want to go, Nolan, but. I, I, that just seems so tacked on. I do love the hospital scene between Joker and Two Face, mm. uh, but I don't think that's that's worth it. You I, could you, have had, right. you could have had that conversation 
and had them say, did anybody find Harvey? Did anybody find Harvey? Nope. And that's it. And the Joker has created a new villain and Harvey is out there lurking for the next movie. Um, I think the rest of that Harvey storyline is just bloat, but I love that movie. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, uh, I have to admit my ignorance again uh, to say the difference between a five act structure and a three act structure uh, is, is really not super well defined for me. Um, Mm. So I could immediately what I thought was Dr. Sleep uh, because the final act of Dr. Sleep that takes place at the Overlook, I think takes the movie down from an almost a, a earn the side of a plus uh, down to like a B plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really dislike that ending. Uh, you know, given the length of the film, it may be the fifth act, but uh, you know, the middle part of that, film especially when the little girl gets the upper hand on rose the hat and turns the tables that's where that movie shines the brightest and by the time you know she gets in the car she's yeah there you go Mm -hmm. uh by the time she gets kidnapped and uh you and mcgregor danny comes you know inhabits her basically and her boyfriend crashes, the Rose the Hat's boyfriend crashes. At that point, like, I think the movie is at its peak. And she and then she like huffs all the, the ether and goes out to the fucking thing. Mm. And that stuff, it just loses me. I, the the hmm. the I don't I'm not an expert at the three act structure or anything like that, mm. but I know that the rule of thumb was around the twenty seven or twenty eight minute mark is where the the movie proposes to the audience a question that we need to answer or that we or a situation that we need to resolve around that point in time. So then the second act starts and then the stakes become higher during the second act while the person is trying to resolve this situation and everything and then the second act break is when there is one more last little plot detail that brings us to what our third act is, which is the resolution of the whole thing. Um, so that's where, that's where I, I think for Dr. Sleep, you're absolutely right. The whole third act is their drive all the way out to fucking Colorado yeah. and, 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 and then uh, going into the, the, you know, the overlook and all of that. That's all third act, all of it, because just before that there was, uh, she was in trouble. He saved her, or he was in trouble. She saved you know, him. She got kidnapped, and and yeah. he shined into her. Right. That's <laughs> the that's the end of the second act. Is that yeah. that moment? And um, think about you know you see Rose that had just absolute. Oh God, I love Rebecca Ferguson in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know she just essentially crumples because her entire clan has been lost, and you know the other people have been killed in the shootout. Um, you know, her boyfriend's dead, her, the old man's dead. And I think at that point, man, if you did cut that, it'd be fun. And she's out there. It's like Harvey being out there. I think that'd be okay. There's I do a, love that movie though. Mm-hmm. There are movies where, where people would argue that the, they don't do a very good job of getting into the, the distinguishing the acts. I believe Jurassic Park is one of these movies hmm. where, 
the first act is defined. And then once the second act starts, it's just second act all the way through it pretty much <laughs> all the way to the end. Uh, Cause there's no, there's no moment that breaks it any breaks it another way. It's just all dinosaurs trying to eat people. for the rest. Of the <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's so, true. so, uh, you know, there, there are, there are, there are people who argue about certain things. It's, it, it'd be interesting to see what, what, I'm sure this has been diet, you know, dissected, but like movies like Pulp Fiction, what do they consider are the first act, the second act and the third act of that, mm-hmm. uh, of that movie, since it jumps around with different stories and everything. Is it a first act through a third act on each different story or is it a first act through a third act for the entire movie? Uh, mm-hmm. Some would probably mm-hmm. argue he, he does both. Uh, for, for those things so. yeah yeah uh, a lot of actors pick a lot of bad projects to work on what huh which actors do you think pick projects well and which struggle to for good picks uh this person would say willem dafoe <laughs> say wilhelm dafoe which yeah. is funny <laughs> yeah. uh willem dafoe as it's uh diverse yet effective and for bad uh, this person would say robert de niro uh, is for every good film there's three bad ones i would say that Basically, it's a tale of two careers, right? After 60, he went, you know, towards making more money. And before mm-hmm. that, he was making more prestige stuff. What, you guys think? what, would, be, what would be funny is if uh, he is talking about somebody named Wilhelm Dafoe, who makes a lot of great choices. <laughs> a, German, a German actor that's made a million great German films. That's right. Um <laughs> So the first person that came to mind was Matthew McConaughey for struggling. Uh, Mm. We know that Mm. he's been in a lot of good stuff, but uh, his career has had a a big high and then a super low and then a, and then a tremendous high again, back to low or middling after he had his, what was called the McConaissance with true detective and uh and uh, dallas buyers club and all those uh but mcconaughey if you look at the movies he made in the 2000s look look just look at his resume 2000 to 2010 it's Mm. all a bunch of like well-known stinkers the only the only one out of that group that people might argue for is how to lose a guy in 10 days i'm not one of them i think it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life (laughs) um uh, and I am not, I'm not hyperboling that at all. I just, I, I, I really honestly felt sick watching that movie when I, when I, back in the day when it came out. Um, so yeah, McConaughey is up there and you know, by, by rule, Kate Hudson, <laughs> Kate Hudson has the same, yeah. uh, issue in that, in that, uh, in that decade. Uh, cause not only was she in two of those Matthew McConaughey movies that you look at from 2000 to 2010, she was in a whole bunch of other shit that didn't work. Um, uh, you guys picked a lot of like uh, good ones uh, for yours. Uh, I, I think that if you have an established star that their name definitely sells the movie, they usually have a good picker basically. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go with Denzel Washington, even though most of uh, you wouldn't say he's done a hundred percent classics or anything. But one thing that you do know about Denzel Washington is everything he's in, he's great in it. <laughs> like you don't need to, you're not going to go in to see a Denzel Washington movie and go, Oh my God, he is atrocious in this. No, you never want to say that <laughs> no matter what. And he, he elevates everything that he's in. So 
whatever he decides to pick out of these out of these movies uh, ends up being at least somewhat decent if they're not you know they're they're i mean i don't I haven't seen that little things i heard that was a bad movie uh, but, but he's um, he's again never he's not the problem with it yeah yeah but then i also i think there was a discussion that he was going to be he was asked to do seven at one point and turned it down which would s- sort of suggest he doesn't have that great of a picker in his you know but i think he just said or you know it was either seven i think it was seven for sure that he was mm. he may have been morgan freeman's role um in that um uh, but, uh, you know, whenever I hear about an actor who wasn't in a lot of movies that was asked to be in a bunch of movies and they, and they, Tom Selleck was a big one that did, could not, that struggled on that. Um, but anyway, I think ultimately Denzel Washington is, is, uh, ha- has a good idea of what he wants to be in. And I mean, a good thing to be in. Nice. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I got to make sure I'm not stealing Barrett's answer here real quick. Hang on. Just do it. Okay. I got it. I got it. I'm good. Well, um, uh, somebody who struggles to pick good, to be good picker is Bruce Willis. And this is not, <laughs> this is not just a tale of two careers, even though it is the older he gets, the less he tries. But, um, you know, early on, let's just, I'm skipping a bunch of his early stuff. Die Hard was obviously a big hit and then he did a bunch of garbage. Uh, but right before Pulp Fiction, he does Striking Distance. So Striking Distance, blah, Pulp Fiction, great. North, Color of Night, Nobody's Fool's great. Die Hard with a Vengeance is great. Twelve Monkeys is great. Then he does Last Man Standing. Then he hits Fifth <laughs> Element. That's great. Then he does The Jackal and Mercury Rising and Armageddon mm-hmm. and The Siege. And then he does The Sixth Sense. And you're like, yes. And then he does The Story of Us. Uh, and it's just and then he does a whole nine yards after that. Down. He does whole nine yards after that. Then he does Disney's The Kid. Then he bounces back with Unbreakable. He's just always been up and down. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably he's a yes man. And that's not to fault him. I just think he likes working. Um, as far as uh, somebody who has a really good picker, uh, I put Matt Damon. Um, because, you know, again, mm-hmm. um, He's my most watched actor, but you go through the Matt Damon uh, catalog and you don't find a lot of bad movies. No. Um, mm-hmm. You may find some that aren't as well known or aren't as good, like the 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 Coppola one he made about the jury. No, the Rainmaker. The Rainmaker. I love that movie, but yep. most people don't know it, and it's not as good as Ford v Ferrari. But he just mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to pick very many duds. Uh, and then he peppers his resume with all these fun parts, like the Oceans movies and all these cameos. And uh, yeah, I think he's got a good picker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. I tell you, he's got a good picker. The aforementioned Amy Adams. Mm. Um, that lady, man, starting with Enchanted uh, back in 2007, she went on to do Charlie Wilson's War, uh, Doubt, Julie and Julia, which I love, The it's Fighter, good. The Muppets, The Master, uh, she was in her, of course she was Lois Lane in Man of Steel, but she, I keep saying this, she is not the problem with that any rule. of those. Yeah. 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 Uh, American Hustle, Big Eyes, which I liked, uh, Arrival, uh, Nocturnal Animals, you know, Vice, Woman in the Window. She is the reason to watch a movie, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's really been on a roll you know, even back when she was doing episodes of The Office, she was excellent in that. Um, she's just awesome. I love her so much. I want to marry her. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think she's <laughs> always taken. <laughs> yeah, I think she is too. Uh, and I'll, I'll close because the the one that I think has the biggest disparity between very very good movies and god awful movies is Adam Sandler. Um, mm, mm. Because you look at his work in Punch Drunk Love, you look at his work in Uncut Gems, uh, a movie that is difficult for me to watch, but he is excellent in um, the. Uh, I don't have it pulled up here. The uh, Noah Baumbach version or movie, uh, The Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> like three facts that got wrong all in one sentence there. It's the, the, the Meyerwood stories, Meyerwood uh, story. new and annotated. Uh, he's excellent in that. He is a good actor. And I mean, you go back and, and happy Gilmore. He's a terrific comic actor. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the water boy is borderline offensive. In fact, very offensive, uh, yeah. but, but also kind of funny. Um, you know, even, um, uh, uh, the, the Madison, Billy Madison, he's a, he's a very gifted comic actor. Um, but man, his, his misses are money grabs and I don't like them. I think they're awful and they offend me even more because he's wasting talent. Mm-hmm. So I know uh, 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 it's hard to say that he doesn't have a good picker because he can do whatever he wants to pretty much, but you would think if you can do whatever you want to, you take eight years to figure out a movie that's really, really, you find another uncut gems, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he kind of does this. I mean, some of the movies that we don't mention that aren't as high profile as punch drunk love and uncut gems are like rain or me rain over me. Yeah. Um, Spanglish, um, uh, where he's good. It's just that, you know, the mood, like both of those movies were, are just kind of like, eh, there's like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's great in Funny People. That movie's yeah. just way too overlong and not yeah. nearly as funny as it should be. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's a good one though. I think Adam Sandler's a good one because because you know that's a guy who's made choices just to do something in Hawaii before. Uh, I'm sure every, I'm sure every I'm sure every actor has done something like that. Yeah, but yeah. like yeah, he openly came out and said that. Like I just wanted to just wanted to film in Hawaii. Um, so shrug. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, well that's gonna do it for this episode. God, I don't even know how this is gonna turn out. This is such a there's so many twists and turns. <laughs> this was like, a journey. May not even you like you the listener may not even recognize that there were twists and turns during this whole thing. But God damn it, I'm gonna be interested to hear what the final version of this podcast is, and and it's all the stuff that we cut out. Will it be canon? Um, so. <laughs> it'll be like pulp fiction i'm gonna move sections around and mm-hmm. you know have different acts yeah oh yeah christopher walken will show up christopher yeah, walken bruce willie yeah. yeah uh that's gonna do it for this uh this uh episode uh keep going to syncast presented by CinemaSins on facebook we're also on CinemaSins twitter music video since twitter soundcloud and discord if you want to get on discord you can go to facebook and private message me and i will give you a link there that's going to do it for this uh, week. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.
I like that uh, Olivia Rodrigo. I think she's got. I do too. She's got some mojo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm not comparing her to Billie Eilish, but I was on record saying Billie Eilish was going to be the new hotness, and uh, Jeremy said no. She's I good. Around. She's no. Jeremy that had like not. The- Jeremy had not heard anything but one song at the time that you said that. That's- Thank you. That's exactly the truth. Thank you. I can't believe we all remember that so vividly. <laughs> well, I was and, I was in on that because I had been talking about Billie Eilish. Um, that's right. Like I I had heard that song when she was like whatever sixteen or seventeen mm-hmm. on uh, Sirius XM, and I'm like I really like this, and then started hearing the other stuff that she did, and ended up buying the album and everything. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, she Olivia Rodrigo's different. She's uh, more poppy uh, than Billie Eilish is. Um, I think she's got uh, well, they got different types of voices. Uh, she's, yeah, she's, she's only uh, got two songs though, right? So far, three, three songs. Well, three, yeah. Uh, uh, the the album the album is an album comes out either today. It might come out today. It's either today or Friday. They're dropping yeah. albums on Friday. Being a yeah. Disney star is like. A pathway to an entertainment career, right? Like, yeah, man. You, yeah. By the time you are a late teenager and you decide if you want to act or model or sing, you got a legion of fans who grew up watching you and with you. I should have been a Disney kid. You think it's too late? You really should. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's never too late. I'm going to apply. I'm going to send an audition tape. Just be a part That's- of the 40 year old Mickey Mouse Club. <laughs> no, hey, I wanna, no, I just hey, want to be. I should probably stop talking right now. I just, yeah. Yeah, I want, I want that pathway to regular success. Mickey Mouse Club. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's probably too late. Deja Vu came out, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago, I think. Uh, started mm-hmm. seeing the uh, music video for that all the time on Epic Awesome. And, uh, and now she came out with that new one that I can't remember the name of right now. Good for you. Good for you. And it's awesome. That video is awesome, and the song is awesome. She's got a little video. good for you, good for you. She's got a little Taylor Swift in her, I think. Well, got and a she's little bit. Apparently, a mega fan of Taylor Swift, and there was yeah, a big deal uh, about her meeting Taylor Swift uh, a week yep. ago. Yep. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was. All, it was. It's one of those things that was on Twitter for you know a blink and you miss it, but it was a big thing for a second. You listen met. to the music and watch the videos. I read about that shit on social <laughs> yeah, media. Yeah, you know that the dude, the subject of driver's license is gay. <laughs> What's funny and is... I mean, he said, this is my coming out video. Uh, I don't know if since then he's like said he was joking or anything. I don't think so. Um, oh, if he was but, joking, he'd get fucking crucified for that. I would think so. I would, um, I would think so. But what's funny is I, I I didn't know that backstory until like I don't know a few days ago or something like that, and um and I started watching these videos. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, wh- what's the deal with this? Because uh, Sabrina Carpenter shows up in a lot of recommended recommended videos for after you watch Driver's License. I'm like, what the fuck is Sabrina oh, Carpenter doing with this? And uh, and I watched this one video. It, it's the r- absolute wrong first video to watch when you're trying to figure out information. Somebody had taken a Sabrina Carpenter reaction video, probably to some other artist, 
and put the Olivia Rodrigo stuff over it. And like all of the stuff that she's saying, like, oh, my God, her voice is so awesome. And and all this other type of stuff was like fake, obviously. Um, And uh, I was sitting there going, what the wait a minute. So does she like her? What's going on? And I started reading the comments and people are like, this is the best thing I've seen all day. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, somebody somebody copy pasted a Olivia Rodrigo video over like something else that Sabrina Carpenter was reacting to. Jeremy, tell me if you've ever done this. I yes, accidentally, I, I accidentally uh, put the toilet paper on the wrong way, and now oh, it goes no. under. Yeah. And I thought about just switching it, but I was like, I'm going to try an experiment and just see if it really makes a difference, right? Because I've always been an over. I've always been an over all my life, and it's fucking with me. It's really fucking with me. Yeah. Is anybody an under? Is anybody well, an under? I mean, sure. It's just about whatever your habit is, whatever you've done your whole life, anything else is going to feel super foreign to you. So I'm sure you're an over. Yeah. But I've seen, I mean, when you go to a hotel, how do they do it over? That should be the end of the debate. If you do it under, you are swimming against the grain, but that's cool. I got no beef. Maybe they do it in Australia. Yeah. Exactly. uh, Under. What What a conversation to have when I'm just looking something up. I'm going to take it. It takes three seconds for me to figure this out. And you guys are sitting here talking about fucking toilet paper and shit. (laughs) We were trying to. There's been no advancements in toilet paper since I was born. (laughs) I know we send some movie for having the uh, paper towels being. do like done the underway i can't remember oh, what movie that was uh it was a long time ago um but i, I i'm sure that was jeremy but i would have also picked on that because i hate it i hate i hate the underway i hate the underway sense yeah it doesn't oh, you make can't, any sense. well you, you can't you can't tear it right if no, there's no leverage yeah the 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 girl in escape room her name is taylor russell she was in a movie called waves had sterling k brown in it waves yeah and and uh the uh the girl in the hate you give is amanda amandala stenberg when the stenberg i could not remember the last name for some reason mm-hmm. uh nope 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 what it's too no there's no call for that what the whistling it was too. It was too shrill in my ear. I don't know if you got too close to the mic or what, but no. Just so that you know, if you if if we're doing this again in your mind tomorrow, and you say, "Hey, this is we're we're doing this again," I will believe you. <laughs> He's referencing Happy Death Day, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am. I will. I will believe you. You will say we did this yesterday, and I'll be like, "Well, to me, yesterday was Monday, but yep. you seem very, you seem very certain." So, okay, yeah, uh, we've done this. I've seen Happy Death Day two way more than I've seen the first one at this point. Mm-hmm. Really, it just takes a weird left turn, uh, almost away from horror into sci-fi, and I enjoy the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. I, do I wish too. I could. Yeah, I, I wish it. I could see a third one. I want to see what the the next left turn. <clears throat> Why there are they was not a, making one? There it, was a, it's plenty of money out there. There was talk of it not happening, and then I've heard that it is happening. So oh, oh, that would be great. So, um, you know, maybe same director did uh, Freaky, right? He did. Have you not Freaky. seen Freaky yet, uh, Jeremy? Not yet. Oh, uh, that's. 
That that movie's going to pinch it's, your nipples. Listen, here's the deal. There's three lists now. Hope to watch soon, and Freaky's on that list. Hope to watch eventually, and every fucking thing else. I'm like drawn <laughs> a line. Like for I've already decided, Handmaiden's Tale, whatever it's called, I'm never going to watch that show. It's awesome. Awards, yay, happy for it. Love your fans. I'm not going to see it. It's just not going to make the cut. There's too much that I care more about above it. You're on the whatever mm-hmm. the fuck else list. So, yeah, I got no time for that. I got no time for that. <laughs> I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure it's fine, but uh, there's too much misery already. <laughs> my wife world. is watching. Be miserable. My wife is watching the Shadow and Bone show that's new on. Netflix or Amazon? I think it's Net. I think it's Netflix. Isn't it the that fantasy yeah. sci-fi kind of series that she's really digging it? But I'm like, yeah, okay, you know. I, um, I saw about 800 no? trailers for that thing because everything I watched on YouTube had that had a trailer for it. Right now, they're doing that uh, Matt Damon Stillwater movie is like uh, the thing that's like got five. They give they give the movie preview to me every time. And you know, like it's like I'm just trying to find my daughter, and then I'm like, all right, yeah. I gotta skip, I gotta skip this. I've seen the ad many times, guys. You that should know movie, this. I don't. I think that's gonna be a stinker. I think that's that. I mean, that feels like six other movies wrapped up into one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Matt Damon is Matt Damon is a charming motherfucker, and he, is. Uh, he will eventually get me to watch it because he's my most watched man. Mm-hmm. But that feels mm-hmm. like taken in. Africa, where is it set? God, I'm a racist. <laughs> Did you hear that they're like, they've like a, uh, maybe somebody on Slack sent this. I don't know. There was a, a story about, yeah, I think it was on Slack, right? Where they're playing the song Africa in the desert, somewhere in the desert for eternity or something. Oh, I there? did see that headline, but I don't know where I saw it. Uh, but there's a spot in the desert somewhere where that song is on infinite infinite loop. Yes, it's and and, and I yeah, I don't okay. I don't where understand. is where is he really going in Stillwater? What's that? Oklahoma. No, the Matt Damon movie. Where does he really go? It's not. I said Africa or some such, but it's like Middle East, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I've only seen the trailer once. I only saw it's it a couple of times. I gotta go revenge France. France. That's the same as <laughs> it is. It's the exact same. Hey, it's right across the sea from Africa. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's even more taken because Liam Neeson goes to France in taken mm-hmm. to save his mm-hmm. daughter and beat ass. Yep. So what the fuck? <laughs> One of the funniest things when we were talking to Mike Nelson, the guy who directed uh the new wrong turn that came out. Oh yeah. Um is that Matthew Modine apparently like uh, talked to Liam Neeson about it because it was it was uh, uh, the movies all very much like Taken because Matthew Modine's daughter gets uh, on the wrong turn is disappears so he wants to go find her and uh, apparently Modine uh, uh, is talking to Liam Neeson about a role like this and he's like he's like and Liam Neeson tells him. Just don't do it like I do it. There's <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it's like, it won't work for you. Um, <laughs> something I've seen the Dark Knight Rises. That's right. Something to that effect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have it in you. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even know if he meant it that way. It's just that he's. He, it's. It's. He may have just said, you know, Matthew Modine has, <laughs> puts off a, a certain, you know, kind of uh, radiance that's not exactly like I'm going to beat your ass or anything. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think that's what he was trying to say. Don't try <laughs> to do it like I do it. Happy Death Day Three, which was going to be called Happy Death Day to Us, is still stuck in limbo. With everyone involved, eager to make it, but waiting for the go-ahead from the higher-ups. That so was an article involved except the higher-ups. Yes, for the Ready. so that's an article from December. So All that's right. the you know that's uh, the latest mm-hmm. news. That's the la- that's I the latest that news though. on Happy Death Day today, guys. I feel like those both made money, right? The uh, first one did. First one probably. More first one the probably. Second. second one, I don't know. Um. Hmm. Uh, I know that not many people seem to come back for that one, but I could look up the box office for them. While he's doing that, let's talk about toilet paper. You should. I agree. You should do let's that. Let's talk about toilet paper and make a song about Thanks. it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Death Day Without made $55 million on a budget of $4.8 Nice. Nice return. Nice. So it's all right. Nice return. And happy death day to you made a $28 million gross against a budget of 9 million. Ah, that's good. So it profited. It definitely yeah. profited. Yes. Uh, yes. But they were probably looking for something more with their $9 million on that one. Since Indeed. they paid 4.8 on the They were looking one. for scream two numbers. Does this have rampant swearing? <laughs> 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 and I said, well, it's got some. Yeah. Yeah, more killing than swearing, but yeah. A cousin of mine in Georgia, uh, I think, saw some of the videos, and he was like, he's like, are you concerned that you're using too much naughty language? And I was like, like, not really. Uh, Not not something I'm terribly concerned about. Uh, But I know that my... it's Jeremy doing it. That's true. (laughs) But like... uh, uh, I know one of my mom's friends has listened to the Sincast and who, for all oh, I know, is st- still listens to it or whatever. But hi, uh, hi there. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'm wondering what the discussions. But I haven't heard anything from anybody about it. You know, like I'm wondering what the discussions are behind the scenes because, you know, uh, we uh, we veer very very hard politically uh, and uh, swearingly. So um, on these podcasts, so that's how it goes, baby. Mm-hmm. That's right. Not 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 suitable for work. That's how we we, roll. we we know how to entertain people who say. That swearing is the lowest form of comedy. Fuck those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck them in the ass. They don't <laughs> unless, unless you're Melissa McCarthy at the end of This is 40. Well, swearing for the sake of swearing. It's all you're doing not... to try to make people laugh. Exactly. That... Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. So. I agree. <laughs> but you're trimming. <laughs> Barrett's like, oh, now I'm going to say that three times. <laughs> I don't think I'm I've ever saying, heard that before. <laughs> I made it up. I'm just saying. Amanda mm-hmm. Seifert fucks everybody mm-hmm. in that family. Mm-hmm. The Literally. mom, yep. the dad, yeah. and the son. son. Mm-hmm. Although the dad, doesn't, isn't it implied that she made that up? No. No. I, I think there is a question about it, like midway through the movie, but I think 
It's it's Liam Neeson, isn't it? Is yep. it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he 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 did that. He hit that. Mm-hmm. She definitely fucks the wife and the son. Ain't no ain't no question. Yeah, man. Good for her. <laughs> well, okay. She's also evil. Good She's like her. the villain. <laughs> I'm not sure we should be congratulating her. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah, man. Julianne Moore, Liam Neeson, and, you know, the other guy is a good score. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, oh, no, it was last night when you guys brought up Heart Attack, because I don't think I'd ever heard that song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, that's fucking good. But I was looking at the likes and dislikes on it, and it was like, it, I mean, it's not, it wasn't anything amazing, but just the amount, like 4.3 million likes or something like that. And then a hundred and something thousand dislikes, which came out to about a 30 something to one ratio. But the, the video itself had had 226 million views or something like that. And it just on that scale, you can see like how few people really actually respond to a video when you see yeah. something like that. Yeah. 4 yeah. million likes and 130,000 dislikes, but 226 million views. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think I have a hard, uh, 